Thank you, Mide, for leading us in a time of worship this morning. Hello, everyone. After a hot June week, welcome to Evergreen Baptist Church of Los Angeles. Happy Juneteenth, Pride Month, Father's Day, and California reopening. There is a lot happening this month. We are currently continuing our sermon series, Crossing Jordan, where we are following the story of Israel as they transition from wandering in the desert into the promised land of Canaan. We use this story as inspiration for our journey here, going from quarantine lockdown into a gathered community. Last Tuesday, the state reopened and lifted most of its pandemic restrictions. Some of you leaped for joy, some of you cowered in fear. And while it may feel like things are moving faster and faster in our city, our goal is to be very intentional about our reentry. God used the last year to change us and reveal a whole lot to us. Some of that was painful, but some of that was actually positive. So my hope is that we don't lose all of that God has given us in this past year. Otherwise, what was all that hardship for? Just as Israel is freed from slavery in Egypt in the Exodus, God may have liberated us from things. Pre, from pre-pandemic, our pre-pandemic lives, bad habits, unhealthy relationships, ignorance to what was maybe going on all around us. And so just like the Israelites, we don't want to go back to our life in Egypt. Instead, we want to cross the Jordan River into the promised land and take hold of the things and the blessings that God has for us ahead of us. Now, as we continue in the book of Joshua, we take our cues from the first section of the book, of, the, of this chapter. Now, in previous weeks, we looked at how the journey of Israelites, of the Israelites, starts with grief. And in these first few verses of Joshua 1, it talks about the death of Moses. This reminds us that our journey uh, ahead for us also involves grieving especially as we come out of a deadly pandemic, there has been so much loss that we've endured. And so we may have experienced a lot of those same feelings. Last week, we considered God's call for all of Israel to be a part of this journey as they cross the Jordan River. God invites all of Joshua's people, all of the nation of Israel to make this river crossing together. This too is an invitation for our whole community all of Evergreen to participate. Our re-entry is something that we are all called to reflect upon and be involved in as God continues to teach us and transform us. Now this week we pick up in the next section of Joshua chapter one. And I wanna to read to you uh, from, from this passage. Starting at Joshua one uh, verse three, it says this. God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right 
or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is giving Joshua these encouraging words as they prepare for their river crossing. And he describes the the breadth of this new land, the extent of the geography that's going to be covered, and the process that it's going to take to inherit this land of Canaan. And you get the sense that this is the beginning of a new journey for the nation of Israel. And even though their journey started in Egypt when God released them from slavery, crossing the Jordan at this point as they look across the river and see the promised land, this isn't the end. It's just the next chapter. And so as we read this passage, God gives these words to Joshua and he uses this phrase three times in this section. Be strong and courageous. This particular phrase occurs 14 times in the Bible. Seven of those 14 times occur when God is speaking to Joshua, and three of those seven times are right here in this one small little section in Joshua's introduction. And this phrase is is used to really focus on Joshua's journey, and God here is explaining to Joshua that there's going to be challenges ahead. Be strong and courageous. And so God's reassuring Joshua, but not because Joshua has this low self-esteem. It's because Joshua's task of leading his people across the river into the promised land is going to be a very difficult task. Jewish scholar Michael Hatin writes that this phrase, be strong and courageous, is invoked in the scriptures when people have every reason to feel weak, to feel inadequate, to feel overwhelmed, and to feel really discouraged. And so in other words, everything, God's saying everything about what you're going to experience, Joshua, should actually make you feel weak and discouraged. But Joshua, I'm calling you to be different. Now I want us to be mindful of the transformation that has taken place in the story so far. The beginning of the Israelites' journey is in Egypt where the Hebrews were enslaved by Pharaoh. And the progression of their exodus and wandering has been a struggle between their liberation and their slave mentality. They want to go back to Egypt periodically. They want in some way that former life to live in their former land, even if it means to go back to what they were experiencing under Pharaoh. But God now makes this profound distinction with their posture in Canaan versus their posture in Egypt. There's this difference that God wants to point out between the two contexts between Egypt and Canaan. Whereas in their old land, they were enslaved, fearful, 
powerless, overwhelmed, exploited, discouraged. In this new land, they are heirs. God's children who will inherit this land of milk and honey. And so their posture now, God says, is not to be fearful, is not to be overwhelmed, is not to be discouraged. Their posture now is to be strong and courageous. In essence, God says, you now have a new identity in this new land. They are called to enter the promised land in the exact opposite posture that they took in Egypt. They are called to enter the new land as a new and transformed people, no longer enslaved and no longer oppressed. This gives, I think, all of us inspiration for our journey as we move from lockdown quarantine into a gathered community. I believe God is calling us in our re-entry to take on that same transformational posture, to enter, to enter into this new season, into the months ahead as a new and transformed people. See, this is not a return, as some will tell you, to pre-pandemic life. This is a new land, and we don't enter it in the same way that we left, because we're different people now. So much has happened to the world and to us, all of us, in the past year. The pandemic has been costly. We've lost loved ones. We've lost relationships, jobs, favorite restaurants, Rest in peace, Sioux Plantation. And all of that loss has changed us. And there's also been positive change. We can probably all think of one or two things, maybe even more things that were positive uh, that's come out of this time. We've become more aware of the condition of the world around us, of our nation. We've um, become more aware of the people that live in our neighborhood. Some people now coming out of pandemic or pregnant. Some have found better jobs. Some have made new friends. There are good things that we want to carry with us from pandemic, from our wandering time into re-entry. You guys remember at the start of the pandemic, the first few weeks of lockdown when everyone was really, really cautious and we all stayed home. We all sort of followed the rules for like a couple weeks and then, then it sort of degraded. But Nobody was driving at that time, or very few people, right? All the city workers and essential workers were going to jobs. But most of us, or a lot of us, were, were trying to stay home. And for a few miraculous days, the smog that imprisons our city of Los Angeles just went away. We all walked outside, and for the first time, we could actually breathe. I mean, the, the air was crisp. I never felt Los Angeles air feel like that. And it smelled good. And all these animals started appearing, especially those of us who live sort of on the edge of the city. These animals started appearing and maybe, and started coming into the, the areas of our city where we were living. Things started growing, plants started coming back. Nature reappeared in civilization. And Los Angeles, became what it should be. One of the most beautiful cities in the world. And there was this revelation that we all had of like, wow, could our life in this city be like this? 
also in those first days when we were safer at home. And the farthest a lot of us went was just out to take a walk around the neighborhood. And everyone was doing it. Uh, for the first time, we were meeting neighbors that we had never seen, even though we had lived there for years, maybe even decades. And everyone was so nice. I mean, when you, walked, when you saw people, they would walk across the street to give you some space. Everyone would smile behind their masks and wave. Um, and, and I think we realized that everyone actually needed each other if we were gonna make it through this pandemic. And our lives prior to that were just so busy. We're always rushing around, away from our homes, to work, to hang out at restaurants, to go meet people. So fast-paced that we might have never seen these people without the pandemic. Or maybe the big change for you was even closer to home. As we think about our neighbors, maybe some of you actually rediscovered a relationship in your family with a, room, with a roommate, excuse me. And, and for me, I think the pandemic has helped me to really value the time that I have with my family. I don't want to lose that going forward. That's some of the good things that have come out of this time. Or maybe you've been impacted with all the difficult truths that have been revealed to us. Yesterday was Juneteenth, the now national holiday, commemorating the emancipation of enslaved African Americans as the delayed news of that emancipation reached Texas. Now, even as we think about the meaning of this holiday, we may find it hard to really celebrate because of all the racism against the black community here in America that the rest of us, at least, became, uh, became blaringly obvious to, to the rest of us in the past year. This revelation is one of so many revelations that our nation received in the pandemic. The wildfires made us aware of our damaged planet. The election made us more aware of Christian nationalism. The struggles many of our loved ones had with depression made us aware of our own mental health. These are things that were always there, but because of what happened as we wandered in the wilderness, we were made aware of them. Our eyes were opened. These are things that are painful and difficult, but were revelations to us. And now that we're more aware, we're changed people. We can't leave all of that knowledge and all of that revelation behind in the wilderness. We have to take that with us into the promised land. We have to take it with us into re-entry. You see what I'm saying? God did something to us and in us in the past 15 months, helping us to see the world differently and helping us to become transformed. And that change was costly. It cost human life. It cost a lot of pain. And so it behooves us to steward that information and that change well. This week, one of our Evergreen missionary families, the Millers, returned to the United States from serving overseas in Japan, and they're on home assignment for the next nine months. Now, their reentry process is purposeful and unhurried as well. They have to quarantine for a couple weeks because they're coming from Tokyo, where there are not as many vaccines. Now, 
now I kind of realize you know, and, and appreciate that process of reentry for them. For me, I've never been an overseas missionary, and I've never been uh, on a long-term trip serving like they have. So I can only imagine what Sterling, Emmy, and their girls are going through as they uh, enter into their process of reentry here into this country. But I have been on some short-term mission trips where reentry has just been kind of a, a difficult journey in itself. I remember my first mission trip to the Democratic Republic of Congo and experiencing a small piece of what life is like in the interior of Africa. In so many ways, I feel like that trip transformed me. And when I came back, I remember feeling this bit of dissonance from American culture. Like I didn't really, there were things about it that I never saw before, but now I saw and I just was dissatisfied with it. I found myself wanting to walk everywhere instead of driving. I found myself taking cold showers for two weeks because I just felt like, wow, it's just so much energy to waste with hot showers. And I began to feel this sort of distance because I felt like on that trip I had changed, but the world that I was coming back to hadn't. And so I realized that this was my process of re-entry. Even though it was a short mission trip, only a couple, a couple weeks, God had changed me in ways that were deeply meaningful. And so when I re-entered into life back here in the United States, there was this feeling of disharmony. I was coming back to the exact same country, to the exact same city, to the exact same home, to the exact same job, the exact same friends and family. But because I had changed, it was like I was returning to a new land and getting a new start. And I was thinking, that's our experience, isn't it? We're returning to the exact same place. Our church campus is still here in Rosemead. But because we've changed, it's like we come back to an entirely new land because we're new people. So our re-entry journey is a lot like Israel crossing the Jordan. Like Israel, God's inviting us to enter with a changed perspective and posture. Don't be like you were in Egypt. Don't be like you were before I liberated you, before I freed you from some of those things that were holding you down and holding you back. We've been changed and we need to live changed lives. And so my question for all of us this morning, for all of you watching us this morning, is this. How have you been changed in the past 15 months? How has God changed you? How has he transformed you? How has he released you? How has he liberated and freed you? How has he brought you through pain and suffering and hardship and loss? but taken that and started making in you into a new creation out of the midst of that? And how is God inviting you to live into that change, to take that transformation into the promise line, into re-entry, into this new season of life with you, to make all all that we've lost, everyone we've lost. And the pain that we've felt 
productive and a little bit to help us find the blessing in some of that. I believe these questions, they're important for all of us so that we pay attention even in this sort of liminal space of transition to what God is doing in us as we move from pandemic to promise. Amen.